was a lucky shot. It was a lucky shot. Yeah. It wasn't a lucky shot. It was. It was a well, well placed it was, counter. It was a, it was a, it, Do you hear the saltiness? <laughs> Do you hear the saltiness <laughs> in his voice because his boyfriend got knocked out? I'm Justin Lesko, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and former pro MMA fighter. And I'm Mike Callahan, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt and a law enforcement officer. So we just saw UFC 261 and all of the hype behind that card for three title fights really delivered and it was an amazing event. We're going to take a look into where UFC 261 ranks among the all-time great cards put on by the UFC. Do you know what the greatest thing you can put on is? Is it something with Epic Roll BJJ? It's obviously something with obviously. Epic Roll BJJ. Obviously. Obviously. If you go to EpicRollBJJ.com and you use the code PODCAST15, you're going to get 15% off of literally anything you could ever need for jiu-jitsu. Shorts, rash guards, geese, t-shirts, joggers, hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, anything and everything you could possibly need, Epic Roll has it. Yeah, so you can follow them on Instagram at EpicRollBJJ, or like Justin said, go to their website, EpicRollBJJ.com. Anything that you need, they got you covered. Don't forget to use the coupon code PODCAST15 for 15% off any order. And if you're rocking something by Epic Roll, you're going to look even better than Kamaru Usman did. And that is a segue. Now, with that being said, let's take a look at this card and see where it ranks. Welcome to That Jiu Jitsu Podcast. I actually, I broke my ring light because I was, I moved the studio from my bedroom to the basement because I wanted to hope, I was hoping there would be a really flashy submission at 261 and then I would do a breakdown right away and I try to get those out like immediately. So like three, four in the morning, I'm filming and editing and whatever. So I moved everything downstairs so my wife could go to sleep because you shouldn't keep an eight month pregnant lady up at four in the morning doing your show it's a matter of opinion ladies and gentlemen it's not a that's not a matter Doctors, that's not a matter of medical fact it, it's just advice it's not a fact that's i mean it's, it's advice not necessarily good or bad advice i moved the whole studio downstairs and then i was bringing the whole studio back upstairs and then i was carrying my ring light up the stairs and the bottom just fell off so i taped it together so if it tips over and i guess i'll make the blooper real no no crazy awesome submission but five main card fights that none of them went the distance i think that is a pretty solid event so i think we'll look at each one real quick and then i have a fun idea and then we'll do those five real quick all right do you want to go or for our audio only people yeah you have to say what you're pointing at if you're pointing for audio only that's what i said for all well i was until you cut me off rudely so i'm going i'm making the motion to go top to bottom from 12 to or from 12 to 6 from midnight to 6 or in contrast, contrast, I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable there. <laughs> I'm going from six to midnight. I think we go from the first fight through the main event like a rational thing to do. First fight, Anthony Smith yeah. versus Jimmy yeah. Crute. Wait, is that what it was? I couldn't remember if that was. <laughs> I just said go like yeah. chronological. I couldn't remember which one happened first. The first of two leg injuries to start the card. First round was pretty back and forth, but Anthony Smith landed a kick to the outside of the leg, and that was it. And Kroot couldn't stand up anymore, and the doctor stopped the fight. I really like Anthony Smith, um, and I think that one of his when he fought John Jones and that fight went to distance, like nobody thought that that was going to happen, and then. He's been up and down since then. I'm really glad to see that. 
I'm really glad to see him pulled out last night because you kind of got the feeling that the UFC was trying to transition him into more of a gatekeeper. Did you get did you get that feeling? Yeah, definitely. I got that feeling as well that he was kind of a guy who right was never going to get so another that, shot at the title. You know what I mean? So yeah, and, and Crew is a is an up and coming rising prospect and I think that they were trying to give him a big name. The Anthony Smith thing is is somewhat similar to the Glover Teixeira thing that happened years ago. Because after Glover Teixeira lost a few fights, they were trying to kind of thrust him into that gatekeeper role. And he turned it around and he started fucking beating everybody. And now he's getting the yeah. title shot. You know what I mean? So um, I would love to see Anthony Smith yeah. turn it around. For sure. For sure. Um, one, one, of, one of the success stories of like going up in weight and having sustained success in a higher weight class after starting his career at 185 um i'm a big fan i hope i hope he you know keeps going i agree i agree and we're not we're not trying to speed through these but we have five fights to talk about so we're gonna move right on to the grossest thing i've ever seen in my life chris weidman well it's not the, i mean it's the it's the it's the second grossest thing that i've ever seen in a chris weidman fight and by the second grossest i just you know like what are the odds of that happening to him dude i i know i mean yeah if you miss the fight chris weidman throws a kick Rye Hall checks it. Chris Weidman's leg is broken. He tries to stand on his broken leg, and I think um, his foot touched his hamstring. Yeah, because it looked like he had two knees because the break was all the way through. And if you're watching the YouTube version, I am not gonna put the video up because that seems kind of I don't know scummy to get clicks yeah. off of people watching this dude's like tragic injury. You can search it out if you want to see it. It's all over the place, but. Yeah, it was pretty pretty gross, and like Mike said, he was the person that Anderson Silva broke his leg against, and now he has almost an identical injury. Just ironic. I I want to say it's a one in a million incident, but it's a uh, two and however many fights that he has. So I don't think he has twenty five fights. So maybe a two and twenty five thing for Chris Weidman. It's the only the third time I've seen it happen in the UFC. The one was Anderson Silva. Do you remember Corey Hill from the he he yep. he he's yep. since passed away, but he he did it years ago. And then Weidman, it was brutal. It was a it was a a basic you know outside leg kick, um, and Uriah Hall just checked it perfectly. You know that's that's a thing where a lot of times you see it like in the Anderson Silva one where it's opposing stances so you're throwing an inside leg kick which has a lot more power because of your opposing stances like if i'm standing southpaw and you're standing orthodox my left leg throwing to hit your left leg which right. is your front leg i have a lot of power with my back leg throwing if you check it and it lands right there's a lot of power there what was a little unconventional in this one was that it was an outside leg kick and you usually see this break on the inside so when he first threw it like it happened so quick but when he first threw it it doesn't look that awful like it didn't look like his foot like wrapped around Uriah Hall's no. leg like you've seen before it was when he went to stand on it that it just you can't stand on a leg with the bone broken all the way through like that and it was disgusting it was a, it's the first time in the UFC that someone's won a fight without throwing a strike. It was a perfectly checked um, leg kick. Perfectly checked. Uh, he turned his leg out. 
gave his knee to the kick, um, and Weidman's leg snapped right across uh, Uriah Hall's shin. You know, people say that it's unlucky. You know, oh, he gets unlucky. They were saying it in the, the Silva fight. That's a technique. Checking those kicks are a technique. Turning your leg out, exposing, you know, the front of your shin. And where Weidman threw it, it was almost up near, like, his kneecap, Uriah Hall's kneecap yeah. when he checked it, but it was yep. at the top of his shin. It was just, it was a perfectly checked leg kick with catastrophic results. It was, it was just, it was disturbing to see. And I'm a huge Chris Weidman fan. I think he's got the best yeah. entrance song in, in the UFC. So speedy recovery, Chris Weidman. If you want to come on the show and talk to us about it, let us know. Get well soon. A bananas card starts with two TKOs via leg injury. Yeah. All right, we're off and running. Here we go. Off to the races. So I didn't think that the Uriah Hall Weidman fight was going to go to the dis- go the distance. I thought that Weidman was just going to overwhelm him, and it's pointless to speculate at this juncture. I thought the Anthony Smith Jimmy Crute fight was probably going to go the distance. I didn't see it obviously ending like that. After that, after we started off two for two, I was like, "This is a real. There's a real possibility that we're gonna that we're gonna see five stoppages." And spoiler alert, you were right. Yeah, you were right. Valentina Shevchenko is amazing. She, I didn't think Jessica Andrade like super deserved the title shot, and I didn't yeah. think Jessica Andrade like we're gonna talk about 125 is pretty weak right now, but very thin. Valentina is just on another level from everybody else in that division. And she won via TKO with some incredible elbows from like a crucifix position in the second round. Yeah. And she, not only did she win dominantly, everyone's biggest argument for why Andrade had a chance was Andrade's ability to grapple and wrestle and maybe overpower Valentina. So Valentina comes out and ragdolls her for the first round and just wrestles with her. And takes her down pretty easily. It was incredible. It was an incredible, incredible performance. It was a 10-8 round, first round. It was a 10-8 round. She dominated her, and then she put her way in I the agree. second round. There, the UFC needs to think long and hard about what they're going to do with 125. I understand that it's a huge gap and a huge jump between 115 and 135, but you're running into the issues that you're running into at 145. The, the, the division is very, very thin. There's not a lot of competition for her. She fucking dominates everybody she fights. I don't know if she wants to go up to 35 and challenge Amanda Nunes. I don't know. She's already lost to her twice, though. She's already I lost know, to Nunes I know. twice. So it's like, you know, 125 is becoming just like for Nunes at 145 or before her cyborg at 145. The weight class exists for her. She's the perfect 125-er. She's too big for 115. She's too small for 135, which we saw in her fights with Amanda, with Amanda Nunes. Size definitely was a factor. She doesn't belong in either of the weight classes around her. She belongs at 125. But not a lot of people belong at 125. And I think we can six I think we can safely say she has cleaned out that division. And I don't know. What's next for her? I don't know who fights her next. Yeah, she doesn't even know. That's what she said. She has. She doesn't have a plan. She doesn't know. ESPN threw, threw a couple people out there. Maybe the winner of 
I forget who Lauren Murphy's fighting next, but maybe the winner of that fight. Who knows? But again, she's going to be the one carrying the fight. There's, I don't even want to say like a side. You know, there's an A side and a B side. Like there's like she's the fight. Like there's no. I mean, obviously she's the A side, but it's when people when people tune in to watch her fights, they're tuning in to watch her fight. Yeah, I'm not tuning in to watch Andrade. I'm tuning in to watch Shevchenko and. She's a killer, dude. She's just very, very, very good, and she's head and shoulders above everybody else in that division. Yep. Moving right along. Moving right along. Rose, Rose versus Wiley Zhang went not at all the way I thought that fight was going to go. Rose knocked her out in the first round with a head kick that was yeah. beautifully set up. Beautifully set up. When you can force your opponent to react completely in the wrong way and then knock them out with a head kick, it's a beautiful performance. Trevor Whitman had himself a good night because he also cornered Usman, which we'll get to. But Rose Namajunas is the champ again, and I was surprised. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about. She she threw a front leg head kick and rocked her. She folded she folded Wiley in half. Um, got on top of her, finished her off with some hammer fist. Wiley jumped right up and was was stumbling all over the octagon, but she was, you could tell she was pissed off trying to dispute the stoppage, but there was no dispute in the stoppage. It's not it, it, like those fights, fights like that. It's difficult to say like she was dominating the f- whole fight. Like it, I think the time of the stoppage was one eighteen, right? So for a minute, 18 seconds, yeah. they both looked light on their feet. They both looked smooth, but there really isn't a lot to analyze for that to happen at that level, it just shows how skilled Rose is. And that's why I was so pissed off when she lost to Andrade because she was dominating that fight too. Yeah. Like you, yep. you run that fight back. Rose wins that fight nine times out of 10. Rose does a lot of things unconventional. She throws that front kick with like no setup. It's at a tough angle to read, which is why it's why Wiley thought it was going low and, yeah. Was defending low and Rose slid it right in right her in. guard and cracked her right on the jaw. Wiley did think that it was early, but I think that today she realizes it wasn't when she watches that fight again. You know, when someone does the, it just happened to Stipe too, someone gets knocked out and their foot gets caught underneath them because they are so limp unconscious and then their foot like snaps out. You know what I'm saying? Like their foot yep. is underneath their butt and it's just it just flicks out because their weight falls back. That's what happened last night. That's the true sign. You were completely unconscious before you hit the ground. And she might have started to come back, but Rose was landing unanswered shots when she was on the ground. That it was a very good stoppage. Rose was definitively the winner. And I think JJ should be next. I think that I want to see Ioana versus Rose again. For the I don't third know who time. else really is in that division. For the third time. For the third time. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I thought the second fight was close between the two of them. I can see the argument that either person won, but yeah. I don't know that there's anyone else really in that division. You just knocked out the champion in, like you said, a minute and 18 seconds. Give me JJ again, and then we'll see where we are in the division. We're kind of getting into uh, like a Max Holloway, Volkanovski uh, situation there. It's like they had close fights. Do you want to see a third one? I'm not going to say no. I would definitely watch it. But if Rose loses, does she get an immediate re- re- uh, an immediate 
you know, rematch. And then if she loses that again, does she get another one? And then another one? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Are we going to do this best of seven? Like, yeah. Stanley Cup crazy. playoffs? But that lead leg head kick, like you said, and, and you, you, the, you described it the best way it could be described. I think from Whaley's, you know, standpoint, she thought that was going low and it just slid right into the perfect spot, cracked her, folded her in half. And sometimes, I mean, if you're listening to this, you see it from time to time. Those follow-up shots can sometimes wake people up, you know? Yeah. So I think that's what happened there. She was out. She got folded in half. And then those follow-up shots kind of woke up Whaley. She thought that she was okay, but she wasn't. And any, any objective person looking at that stoppage knows that it was a good stoppage. That kick doesn't happen by accident. No. That shit is premeditated. That doesn't happen where it's just like, oh, she threw it out there and it landed. That is, that's either credit to Trevor Whitman for seeing that and drilling that with her and that was the plan to attack with that, or that was a read that Rose got in that short, short, short one minute of back and forth where she saw how Wiley Zhang was reacting to attacks lower on her body and knew she could slide that head kick in. That either way, it's an incredible performance by coach or athlete, but it doesn't happen by accident. And it was a very well-fought win for Rose. Yeah, I agree. Bringing us to the, the main event. So we've had one title defended, one title changed hands. Main event, Usman versus Masvidal for the 170 title. I, going in, thought that the way Usman would win would be to wrestle Masvidal to the cage and grind him out and stomp on his feet. But instead, he decided to win a kickboxing match and knock Masvidal the fuck out in the second round. It was violent and it was incredible. It's not been done to Masvidal in like 12 years. And Kamaru Usman is the man at 170 still. When this fight was announced, I thought that if there was a stoppage, it was going to be Masvidal catching Usman. And if Usman was to win, which I thought he would win, it was going to be him grinding out a decision. I kind of came off of that when I saw clips of him training and I was seeing how he was flowing with his hands and he just looked, it just looked effortless. And I, there, you know, hitting mitts and, Shadow boxing is one thing. I understand that. And getting into the ring and fighting someone who's trying to kill you is something completely different. But just after seeing that, I re- it reminded me the one time that I saw Junior Dos Santos, and it was the first time I had ever seen film on him, and it was on a UFC embedded, and he was fighting Fabricio Verdum. And the way that he was hitting mitts, it was just so violent. I said to myself that I thought he was going to win the, the fight by knockout. And it, there was nothing violent about what Usman was doing during the training or anything like that. But just the way that he was flowing and just the way that he just, he looked so smooth that it started to creep into my head like, this motherfucker might finish Masvidal. Like, he might finish him with his hands. And he did. And he did. He did. He did. It, it kind of went away after the first, like during the first round, because once he got on top of Masvidal, the the this the disparity in in their skills on the ground was very apparent. He he could hold Masvidal there for for twenty five minutes, and the only reason he doesn't is because he didn't want to get caught coming in, you know. But he could yeah. out wrestle Masvidal for twenty five minutes. 
Masvidal said after the fight, and you know, credit to him, he was classy in defeat, but he said that he was expecting a 25-minute wrestling match. I don't care if he trained for 60 weeks. His wrestling, regardless of what camp he is, he's in, isn't going to hold up to Kamaru Usman's wrestling. And if Kamaru Usman wasn't worried about Masvidal, you know, catching him on the way in, Kamaru Usman would out wrestle him for 500 rounds. You know. Well, they they t- touched on it on the broadcast. It might have been DC who said it. Usman for the longest time was just a wrestler. You know, he's a very accomplished right. wrestler. He's with Trevor Whitman right now. He was with Henry Hooft. His stand-up is just getting better and better and better. And you can see the way he's taking angles, the way he's moving, his footwork. He's just going to keep getting better as a striker. Like You, you could make the argument that his wrestling is probably not going to improve. You could make the argument that he's finished his development as a wrestler. He's as good of a wrestler as he's going to be. That is not true about his striking. His striking will continue to get better, especially working with Trevor Whitman, who is a very, very, very good striking coach. I know Dana has already said that Colby Covington is next. Usman already beat him. I'm like not super excited for that fight, but I don't get to make the matches, so it is what it is. Not yet. You still got Leon Edwards. You still got Leon Edwards out there for once Usman beats Covington again, which I think he will, and we'll get more into that as that fight gets closer. Someone on Twitter last night told me that Steven Wonderboy Thompson will beat Usman easily if they fight, which I don't think is a correct opinion to have, but it's one you can have if you like. If you're not educated on mixed martial arts. Right, right. Usman right now is a complete fighter who's only going to keep getting better. I don't know who beats him at 170. Dude is very good. He's not my favorite fighter. He's not my favorite guy, but you can't take anything away from how incredibly talented he is. So he's not that young. He's 33 years old. This isn't something that I think he's going to sustain for like the next eight, 12 years. And, you know, Kamzat, how how do you say say his last name? Chimeyev. 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 Um, I think he could potentially be um, a problem. But nobody's going to easily beat Kamaru Usman. Nobody's going to easily beat him. I'm more excited about the Covington rematch because it was a pretty close match before the stoppage. I'm more excited about that than I am about the Masvidal match. Um, So hopefully that's next. I think Leon Edwards is going to beat Nate Diaz, although I'm rooting for Nate Diaz. In the event that Nate Diaz wins that fight, I think the entire welterweight division gets thrown for a loop. So just to recap, we had five fights on the main card. Two ended with TKOs via leg injuries of uh, varying, varying gruesomeness. We had Valentina continue to be super dominant. We had Rose with a beautiful knockout to reclaim her title. The first woman to ever reclaim a title that she's lost in the UFC. You had Usman further climbing the pound for pound ranks by knocking out Masvidal and showing his incredibly improved hands and his incredibly well-roundedness. An amazing card. Top to bottom, an amazing card. There's been some other amazing cards. So I wanted to, I wanted to see if we could pick a card that we thought was the best UFC card of all time. And I actually thought that we could have a fun game because I know how good you are about remembering every little detail about stupid things and you do not need to tell me where you were 
for all of these cards, but we can do this one of two ways. I can give you the number on my short list that I have compiled, and you can tell okay. me what the fights are on that card, or I can tell you a fight and see if you can tell me the number. So which way do you want to try? Which way do you feel more confident? You can tell me you can tell me the fight and I think and I'll tell you the number. Okay. So this is not in any order. This was just me thinking of fights and then doing a lot of research and looking at a lot of cards for the last like 10 or 15 years of the UFC. All right? You ready? Okay. Yeah. These are the facts about this card. It was the UFC debut in Toronto, Canada. Yeah, it was George St. Pierre versus Jake Shields. What else was on that card? Jose Aldo versus Mark Homnick. And... One more big one. Yeah. Jose Aldo versus Mark Omnick. And what weight class? 205. 205. Did John Jones fight on that card? Nope. I don't know. Uh, Machida front kicked Randy Couture right into retirement and knocked his tooth out. Oh, okay. Okay. Can you tell me the number and the, you don't have to give me the day date, but the month and the year? I don't know the number, but I believe it was in April of 2012. Oh, you're close. It was one UFC 129, and it was April of 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah, you hit all the highlights. The only thing you didn't mention was Mark Hominick had the largest forehead hematoma swelling. Yeah, the hematoma ever. Yeah. Uh, not and ever, he won because the fifth I think- round. I think I think Joanna's hematoma after that doesn't that that was her whole head. If you're watching the YouTube version, I put both up. And if you're not watching the YouTube version, why not check out our YouTube channel to get more content than you can get just via the audio feed? And you can watch along and see videos and pictures throughout the episodes that we'll reference and put up there. So check out our YouTube page. The link is in the description below. All right, let's let's jump around to Connor versus Mendez after Aldo pulled out. And it also featured Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald 2, which is widely considered one of the best fights of all time. So that, that was July 11th, 2015. You get extra and points for, remember, for remembering the date. Yeah. Um, July 2015. Yeah, so... Let me think about this. Because 205 was... Connor versus um Connor versus uh Alvarez. So UFC two oh five is also, UFC two oh five is also on my short list. So tell me which right. one I asked you first and then we'll go back to the I'm trying to um <laughs> It's bothering you, right. isn't it? It is bothering me because so because they that they didn't UFC one eighty three no UFC one eighty one eighty nine July two thousand fifteen so no one eighty nine was I thought was Aldo it was supposed to be Aldo and McGregor Aldo got hurt oh. the week before Mendez slides in Connor so in that fight Connor uh, survived Mendez taking him down early. Yeah, and then Mendez was sort of gassing out, and then Connor kept throwing that that teep to the midsection and just sucking the oxygen out of Chad Mendez, and eventually TKO'd him and put him down, and that was he became interim yep. champion, and that was at the time when everyone still was like, 
all about Connor. Like he was still contender Connor. He was still, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And if you haven't watched the like 10 part embedded series where they did Connor vs. Aldo's world tour in the build up to 189, some of the best content the UFC's ever put out. It's still on YouTube. You should watch it. It was unbelievable. And it's fun to watch and remember a time when like Connor wasn't a complete scumbag. Like there was rumors of his of his scumbagness, but he wasn't super scumbag. But that 189 that also had it gets overshadowed by the McGregor. It was, it's one of the greatest. Yeah. Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald. Lawler finishes him late in the fight with an already busted up nose. They're both drenched in blood. Yep. Lawler's lip is flapping because yep. he's got a giant cut. It was unbelievable. After the fourth round, they're both bloody messes and they just staring stand. at each other. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome card. But that card was sort of like the here's Connor. They had the live performances of the walkouts for him and Chad Mendes. Like it was just a big card. Yep. It was a good one. You mentioned 205. That was Connor's probably best performance when he finished Eddie Alvarez, became the first yep. ever simultaneous double champ. You also had Joanna Janjacek defends against Karolina Kavalkevich, which I think is the right way to say that, but that was a good fight. And then again, our boy Weidman, second mention on the show, Yoel Romero, yeah. Cuban Missile, yeah. Flying Knee, knocks out Weidman, stacked card. So those were two. That was a great card. This one, I'm going to give you again. I'm going to give you fights and see if you can give me the number because I think the last two are pretty just too obvious. It's UFC 100 and UFC 200, but we'll talk about those in a minute. This one, this might be a little sore for you because if anyone doesn't know Mike Callahan personally, there was a time when I think his cell phone background was a picture of Luke Rockhold because that's how much he had a man crush on Luke Rockhold. Mm. And this fight was Michael Bisbing on short notice, knocking out Luke Rockhold to win the 185 pound title. Who was who was uh, the uh, how long of a notice was it? It was like I think it was like 12 days because it was Weidman, right? It was supposed to be Weidman. It was supposed to be Weidman. I don't remember why, why Weidman pulled out, um, but it was supposed to be Weidman. Bisping was like filming a movie or something. Like he wasn't even in camp. It was sort of like Masvidal in the first fight. It was a lucky Usman. shot. It was a lucky shot. Yeah, it, it was UFC one shot. It was it was a well well placed it was, counter. It was a. It was a it, do you hear Luke Rockhold is a superior? Do you hear the saltiness? Right? <laughs> do you hear the saltiness Luke, in his voice because his boyfriend got knocked out? Luke Rockhold is a superior fighter to Michael Bisping than Michael Sp- Bisping. I don't know. That's a but hot take. But right I, I, I actually, I actually don't. Like I'm glad that Michael Bisping won, just not at Luke Rockhold's expense. Um, I think Michael Bisping's an arrogant prick. However, I think that Michael Bisping has been in, was in the, at that point had been in the game for so long and had grinded out, you know, legitimate wins over, you know, perennial contenders and was always near the top. And for him to cash in on that on short notice, like that, it sucked to see Rockhold lose. But part of me was happy for Bisping. Bisbing was a guy who was always one win away from a title shot. He would yeah, lose that he almost, fight. He would lose that fight, yep. and then the person he lost to, it would come out they were on drugs when he lost to them. Like, constantly. He mm-hmm. kept losing fights to guys who were cheating. So I, I agree with you. Vitor Belfort, Chael Sonnen. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that was, I think, uh, that was UFC 199. Correct. So UFC two. UFC 200 was in July of 2016, so that was in June of 2016. Correct. You got that one, all three parts. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. 
All right, so UFC 100 obviously was the first huge spectacle, super fight, celebration. UFC 100, it was incredible. Do you remember the... I had three main fights listed. That one was... uh, That one was Brock Lesnar and Frank Mir. It was Dan Hardy and GSP. Nope. And it was Mike... No, it was... Was GSP on that card? Yes. Oh, GSP versus Tiago Alves? Yep. And then Bisbing versus... Michael Bisbing versus... Don't tell me. Dan Henderson. Yeah, one of the most iconic knockouts of all time. Bisbing circling the yep. wrong way. He goes right into Henderson's Right power. into an H-bomb. Henderson yep. drops him and flies through the air and jumps on him to land the most the most powerful cleanest follow-up shot that you will probably ever see in an mma fight crazy so yeah three big fights lesnar beats mir gsp cruises over alves and then dan henderson hits that massive massive overhand ufc 200 sort of following the same footsteps do you remember you know i'm just going to give you the it's too much to say do you remember so this is the backstory yeah it was supposed to be a rematch between Nate and For Connor. Connor and Nate, yep. But that got scrapped because this was Connor's contracts and this, bullshit. It was this was Connor's first fake retirement via Twitter when he said thanks for the cheese or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Basically, it was Connor didn't want to fly to the US to do press conferences, so the UFC was like, "All right, you're done." Then it was supposed to be the rematch between DC and John Jones, which DC, which John Jones tested positive like three days before the fight, because John tested positive, Anderson Silva, yeah, Anderson slid Silva slid in, fought a very boring fight against DC. Yeah, because of course it, it was DC just wrestled him and grinded him out because DC is not going to risk anything in a short right. fight like that. The main event was Amanda Nunes versus Misha versus Tate. Misha and Tate. The start of the Amanda Nunes era as the 135-pound champion. You also had Brock Lesnar versus Mark Hunt, Brock which Lesner would later be Mark overturned Hunt. because Lesnar was a drug cheat. Can you name me the other Surprise. ones I have on there? Yeah, shocking. Shocking that Brock Lesnar was a cheater. Yeah, Jose Aldo beat Frankie Edgar. And a great Cain fight. Velasquez. Great fight. Yeah, it was a good fight. And then Cain Velasquez uh, beat Travis Brown. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. So. That was my short list in my preparation today. Do you have any other cards that I failed to mention that you can think of off the top of your head? No, I, I don't I don't really think that UFC two hundred UFC two hundred was a really good card. It was a really good card. The gold ring annoyed the fuck out of me. I know that was but rough. it was a really good card. Um I didn't think UFC one hundred was that great. Um UFC one ninety nine sucked. Um, You're just saying that because Bisbing lost. Because also on that 199 card where Bisbing knocked out Rockhold was Dominic Cruz won the rubber match between him and Uriah Faber. And then it also featured Max Holloway versus Ricardo Lamas in a like a slugfest where they both just pointed at each other in the last 10 seconds and just started swinging bombs. So there were good fights on there, not just your boy getting knocked out and losing his belt. You have to be objective here for the audience's sake. You can't just write off 199 because your boy lost. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me what I can do. Um, I really like the Canada card too. So um, no, they were good. But this is 
There was so much fucking hype surrounding this card this past weekend, and it lived up to it. It was exciting. Um, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least throw a shout-out to Pat Sabatini, a Philly fighter, came in a couple um, weeks ago on short notice to fight somebody. His opponent weighed in at like 15 pounds overweight, Pat still made the weight. They gave him another fight against Tristan Connolly the other night. Uh, Pat dominated the fight. It was great to see. You know, we've said it on this show before. We are, you know, in complete and total support of, of local fighters. I love to see that Philly, the Philadelphia, you know, based roster, I guess that's how you'd say it, like the Philadelphia-based uh, fighters on this roster, the list of them keep growing and growing. So here's hoping more come up soon. I think when I think of cards, you have to include UFC 261 that just happened on this list of the greatest cards ever. You had three title fights. You had five fights. None of them go to the decision. Three title fights all end via finish in two rounds or less. I think the UFC 205 card was really good because it was the best Conor McGregor performance we ever saw versus Eddie Alvarez. You had JJ in a good fight, a close fight with Carolina, and then you had that flying knee from Yoel, but I still think 261 was better than that one just because of three yeah, title fights. For me, it's between UFC 200 and the, the card we just had, and it's tough to pick because UFC 200 was stacked. You had guys fighting on prelims who would be main card fighters on every other card. You had guys... the main the The main card... For UFC 200, you could have picked any of those fights, and that itself would have been a main event and on a different pay per view. What loses it for 200 is the DC Silva fight. It was kind of a snooze because that's what you would think, and all of the drama leading up week of. I don't know if that hurts it or helps it because it was like sort of exciting all the time. We didn't know what was going to happen for four every day for four days was like something different could possibly happen. Amanda Nunes wins the main event. I I don't know. It's between those two for me. I don't know if I can pick one. I think the X factor might be too that, you know, given all the bullshit we've been dealing with with COVID and, you know, when I say bullshit, I'm not implying anything other than it's just been a trying time on everybody. Um, everybody has dealt with it in, you know, in this country, but to have fans back in the stands, you know, for the first, you know, live UFC show and then to have those fights deliver like they did, I just think that kind of adds to the the aura that's surrounding this card. This card's going to go down in history. It's going to be tough to beat this card. I didn't think... You you have a good point about the fans. And I, as a viewer, I didn't think it was going to affect me as much having the fans because it doesn't matter to me if people cheer when a big shot lands. But when it got me, it was like, this is going to be so stupid. But like the post-fight interviews when Joe's oh, interviewing yeah. Rose yep. and the crowd's going crazy or... The crowd that was booing Usman is cheering for Usman in the interview. Like that got me a little bit. That atmosphere, that feeling, it felt normal again. We're not going to get into. Let's see if in two weeks the entire state of Florida sees a massive spike in COVID cases because. Oh, stop, 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 stop. That's why I said we're not getting stop. into it. We'll see. But well, well, we're fine. Hopefully, everybody got their shots and we're good. Anyway, Florida's completely opened up. Vegas is is. They're coming to Vegas. It's going to be an incredible show. With that being said, um, it's hard not to think that these fighters were energized 
by the crowd, by fighting in front of a large crowd of people again. You know, here's hoping that protocols in place um, continue and that people can kind of safely watch these events in person and, and it doesn't have any negative impact on everything COVID. Here's hoping. And I think here's if, hoping. I think if we look back in five years, we will say, do you remember that time Weidman broke his leg? Do you remember that time Rose kicked Wiley in the face? Do you remember that time Masvidal got knocked the fuck out by Usman? And that's from one card. Those, that's, those are yep, events one, from one, one card. card. I think We'll be if, talking about it for a while. 261, man. Thank you, UFC 261, because your boy needed it. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. As always, we put up links to our social media accounts below. So if you want to follow us individually or if you want to follow the show, give them a click. Check them out. We also put the link below to our YouTube page. And if you go there, you're going to be able to find video versions of all of our episodes. You're also going to be able to find technique breakdowns, match highlights, breaking news analysis, pretty much anything that you're not going to be able to get on the audio version alone. So give that a click and check it out as well. Also, if you're looking for bonus content like monthly Q&A episodes, bonus episodes, early access to episodes, ad-free episodes, check out our Patreon below. We have a bunch of tiers there. You can subscribe for as little as $3 a month. It's a great way to help support the show and get some more of us in your lives. Don't forget to check out epicrollbjj.com. Use the coupon code PODCAST15 to take 15% off your order. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider writing us a review on whatever app you use to listen to the show. I know Spotify doesn't let you write reviews for whatever reason, so make sure you're subscribed. But that really helps out the show, so thank you. Say thank you, Ringlight, for making it through the whole show. I mean, I... I really feel like you should be saying thank you, ring light. And I think that you should be apologizing to the ring light. Like we haven't made it to the mainstream yet and you're already breaking your shit. All right. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, ring light that you broke, but you should be appreciative that I think this has gone on way too long. Thank you and good night, everybody. Okay. Thanks guys.